So as I was working on the sermon today, this was a really rough week for me working on this sermon. And as I was working on it, I just felt a lot of anxiety about it. I felt a lot of unsettledness about it. Um, I wrote it once and then completely wrote a second one. And then even after I did that, I felt like it wasn't right. And so Thursday, I was at the point of high frustration, um, very much like I don't, I'm supposed to preach this sermon Sunday. I don't know what to do with this. And one of my sons happened to text me about that time. And so I said, I just need you to pray for me. And his response back was, mom, focus on God and not on what to say. Give your attention to him instead of to the sermon. Maybe he just wants you and him and nothing else. And so at that point, I picked up my Bible, I picked up my journal, I went to the park And I just sat with God, and I told God, I said, I'm just here to spend time in your presence. I'm here to give you my love, my praise, my attention, and my gratitude. And after I did that for the first time all week, I felt calm, and I felt at peace, and I felt that I knew he was saying, neither one of those first two sermons are it. You're going to have to start again. And so that's exactly what I did. And I know the message he wanted me to share with you this morning. And guys, it is not the topic I'm supposed to be preaching about this morning. So my topic this morning is supposed to be Reformation and Interpretation, the Church and the Bible. Um, And so I will um, address that topic another time, but it's not going to be this Sunday. Sorry, Brad. And if you read... The scriptures that were supposed to be for this Sunday, Galatians 1 and Acts 5, 27 through 42, both of those passages say something similar in them. And in Galatians 1:10, it says it this way, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. And so I think God just needed to remind me that I'm not trying to please a sermon schedule. I'm not trying to please myself. I'm not trying to please you. It doesn't matter if I think that my sermon is a good one or if you think it's a good one. The only thing that matters is if God thinks it's a good one. And so I changed to what I think he wanted his message to be this morning. And he think he wanted me to speak to you the message of Luke 24, 1 through 6. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. And what I really felt like God telling me was, I want your message this morning to be Jesus is alive. And so I want to start with a video that I found that I think expresses some of that very well. Very 
very early in the morning. The women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Suddenly, two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them and said, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Why do you seek the living among the dead? A question that cuts right to the heart. That day, the women found an empty tomb that once held a crucified Christ. So the angels asked them this very profound question. Why do you seek the living among the dead? That same question echoes in our hearts today. Why do we seek life in things that lead to death? Why do we look for a savior in all the wrong places? We want to live life to the fullest, but we chase the things that ultimately kill us. Why do we search for fulfillment and emptiness? Why do we seek the living among the dead? But that same question contains a sense of celebration. The ultimate sacrifice of Jesus was successful. Death couldn't stop him, hell couldn't hold him, and sin couldn't beat him. Jesus died so that we could live. He took our place, accepting the death that we deserve so that we could live with him forever. Because of his sacrifice, our lives don't end with death. And now we can celebrate, not because he was crucified, but because he rose. Not because he died, but because he lives. And when we gather together in his name, he is with us. Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not there. He is here. And so I think that's what kept coming to me over and over again is he is alive and he is here and it makes a difference. And so we've talked a lot in our series uh, that we're doing on right reading of scripture, just about how does what we read in the Bible make a difference in our everyday life? Because if it doesn't make a difference in our everyday life, we're missing something. And so what I want you to think about just for a minute today is the fact that Jesus is alive. What does that mean for your day-to-day life? How does it change the way you live? And if it doesn't, why doesn't it? And so I'm going to ask you to take just a few minutes to think through the question, what does it mean in your day-to-day life that Jesus is alive and risen? Like, what does it mean to you personally? And that might be an example of what that is. It might be a poem about what that means to you. Whatever it is you want to share about that. I want you to answer that question whatever way it hits you this morning. And I would encourage you to keep thinking through it because the fact of the matter is the gospel is not good news if it doesn't make a difference in our lives. We've effectively squelched it if we don't apply it to our lives. And so that's why that question is so important. So I just wanted to share really quick with you um, what I think are some things that make a difference in our daily life about Jesus being alive. 
And what's really funny to me, and when I know that the spirits really worked, is almost every one of them somebody said when they were up here a few minutes ago. Um, But the first one is, because he is alive, we have life. Because Jesus is alive, we have life. Romans 6, 3 through 5 says, Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. Look at the deadness in your life. Look at the anger. How is that going to be turned into forgiveness? Look at the insecurity. How is that going to be turned into confidence? Look at the self-centeredness. How is that going to be turned into compassion and generosity? How? The answer is that the dead stuff gets taken over by the Spirit of God. The minute you decide to receive Jesus as Savior and Lord, the power of the Holy Spirit comes into your life. It's the power of the resurrection, the same thing that raised Jesus from the dead. That's a quote from Tim Keller. See, as we follow Jesus, he transforms us and changes us to be more like him. He gives us life, as he promised in John 10.10, when he said, I have come that they may have life, and have it to the full. I found this story when I was preparing my sermon about Arturo Toscani and an orchestra that he was directing. Um, They had just finished a performance of Beethoven's Ninth Symphony, and the audience gave them um, a, a standing ovation that just went on and on. And Toscani turned to his musicians and he whispered, gentlemen, 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 I am nothing, you are nothing, but Beethoven is everything. See, all they did was follow the music that Beethoven had written. They didn't make beautiful music on their own. It wasn't about them. But when they followed what Beethoven had written, they produced beautiful music, but all the credit belonged to Beethoven. And see, the same is true with Christ. He is here, and as we follow him, his spirit brings life within us. The eternal beauty and goodness of Christ flows out of us. It overflows and spills out into the lives of those around us as we cry out, I am nothing, and you are nothing, but Jesus Christ is everything. And the fact that he is risen and he is here changes everything. Yeah, so because he is a life, we have life. And so not only do we have life eternal, but we have life in being changed and transformed, and we have life now. Secondly, because he is alive, we have purpose, and we can be bold. And so I'm going to read our scripture from Acts for this morning, Acts 5, 27 through 42. The apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said, yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. 
Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law who was honored by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. Then he addressed the Sanhedrin, men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, Theodos appeared, claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed, all his followers were dispersed, and it all came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed and all his followers were scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone, let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. His speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. They ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. See, I think this is such a great example of the apostles knowing exactly what their purpose and their mission was and being bold in that. They were flogged, they were beaten, and they were told, do not go out and preach in this name anymore. And I think that I must just be pretty wimpy because I'm thinking at that point I might be like, well, God will understand if I don't exactly say it out loud and I believe it in my heart. He knows that I don't want to be beaten. I think that I get pretty wimpy and not very bold. Um, But they just became bolder. It was like the more persecution they faced, the bolder they became because they knew their purpose And because the fact that Jesus is alive gave them boldness. Philippians 3, 10 and 11 says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. That's boldness. That's knowing what your purpose is. And see, because Jesus is alive, we can be bold in how we love people. We can be bold and how we protect people. I think about um, what took place on UNT's campus this week. And this group that came in in the name of Jesus and spread hatred and just meanness on campus. We, as followers of Christ, because he is alive, have boldness to speak up and to protect those people. We also have boldness to forgive the people that came onto campus with those signs. 
We can be bold in how we serve people. We can be bold in introducing them to Jesus and proclaiming his gospel to them. We don't have to be timid because he is alive. He is who he said he is. He did what he said he would do. We don't bring a weak, dead Jesus to people. We bring a risen, powerful, victorious Jesus. And we don't have to bring him to them with, well, maybe he's the answer to what you're facing here, and maybe he would bring more life to your life. No, we can boldly say he is the answer, and he will bring life to your life, and he will bring healing to you. He is the one you've been waiting for. Because Jesus is alive, we have purpose, and we can and will be bold in love like he was bold. Okay, number three, because he is alive, we are not alone. Um, See, Jesus isn't somebody we just come to church to talk about. The resurrection isn't just a nice story. Jesus, our Savior, is alive and all around us. He is Messiah. He is Savior. He is powerful. We can trust him. He never leaves us alone. He speaks into our lives, and he is active in what goes on in them. I am never left to figure things out on my own. Proverbs 3, 5 through 7 says, trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. Don't assume you know it all. You know it all. Run to God, run from evil. See, Jesus did not abandon us. He left his home with God, and he entered our darkness, and he did not run, even when facing the cross. Luke 22 tells us he felt like running, that he was overwhelmed by what he faced, but he did not abandon us. He did not leave us alone in our mess, and he doesn't leave us alone now. Had he abandoned us, we would have never been able to find our way out. We couldn't see, we couldn't think, we couldn't walk upright. But he stays. He does not abandon. And we are not alone because he is alive. And lastly, because he he is alive, we have hope, and we have hope to hold out to others. 1 Peter 1, 3 through 4 Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. I don't know about you, but that's good news. Like that is something I can stake my hope on. That is something I can get up every day and continue on because of. Because my Jesus is alive and he's with me and he gives me hope. I want to show you one other video and this one is called Hope Knows Your Name.
What is happening? That's better. <laughs> Who am I? I am just small, and so are you. We recognize each other in the Against the grand backdrop of a billion stars and the mundane trudges of routine, hope whispers that we are citizens of another place. It would be easy to set our pulse to the hum of the subway, the pitch pounding of the clock, looking for safety in possession or position. But hope propels us to search for the melody among the discord. Hope is an anthem for the humble, a song for a kingdom called grace. Hope says when you pass through the waters, Gloria, he will be with you. And through the rivers, Oyen, they shall not overcome you. When you walk through the fire, Esther, you shall not be burned. And the flame shall not overcome you, Toby. For he is your maker, Joel, the hope of all the nations. Hope knows the plans he has for you, Cher. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you, Joyce. Plans to give you hope and a future, Chad. He is the good shepherd, Jason. Therefore, my friends, in him you are a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. Hope has stretched out his hand, not just to meet you, but to hold you. For hope knows your name, and you know him. Jesus. So this is when I wish that I had some technical skill because I would love to do that little video segment with your names in it. Because see, hope knows your name, every one of you. And hope knows the name of everyone in the Denton community, everyone on the UNT campus, everyone on the TWU campus, everyone on NCTC campus, everyone you work with, everyone you go to school with, every one of your family members, Jesus is hope and Jesus knows their name and your name. And he is making all things new. The old has gone, the new has come. Second Corinthians 5:17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that person is a new creation. The old has gone, the new is here. And because of that, we have hope. I shared this at the ladies' retreat last Saturday night, so if you were there, I apologize that you're going to hear it again. Um, but this is a book called Suffering in the Heart of God, and I just wanted to read you a section out of it that talks about um, Jesus. The crucified is the one most traumatized, most grieved. He bore the holocausts and genocides. He has carried the massacres, the starving, the crushing poverty and debilitating illness. He has carried every child who has been trafficked, tortured, abused, and thrown away. He was wounded for the sins of those who perpetrated such horrors. 
And he has borne our selfishness, our complacency, our love of success, our self-righteousness, and our pride. He has also borne our grief and our pain over the sights and sounds of evil that we ourselves have endured. He has been in the darkness. He has known the loss of all things. He has been abandoned by the Father. There is no part of any tragedy that he has not known and carried. You will never enter an urban war zone. You will never face a perpetrator. You will never hear a victim's story. You will never sit by a deathbed. And you will never look in a child's frightened face that you are not encountering something your Lord has carried. He has done this so that none of us need face tragedy alone. For he has been there before us and will go with us and will work through us. See, because Jesus is alive, we have hope for the worst of situations. Because Jesus was resurrected, all of the horrors that she mentions in that one little quote and in this entire book will not just be endured and not just be survived. They will be made new. They will be resurrected just as Christ was resurrected. The damage done to people through the suffering they endure will be made new. The sin and weakness that plagues us in this lifetime will be made new. The racism and division we face will be made new. The many injustices that we witness will be made new. Depression and anxiety will be made new. And the list goes on and on and on. Revelation 21, 1 through 7 says it this way. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. See, that's the hope that we have because he is alive. And it's the hope that we have to share with other people because he is alive. What I want to give you time to do right now is you should have a note card either in your seat or somewhere near you. And if you used it for something else already, there's more on this table over here by the windows. There are also pens over here if you need to grab a pen for this activity. But all I want you to do is to write on this card what is a specific area, specific thing in your life that you want Jesus to bring resurrection? You want him to bring new life to. And I just want you to write that on that card. You don't need to write your name on it. 
nobody else is going to see it to know that it was you, but what we are going to do is we're going to take those cards and we're going to pray over every one of them this week. And we're going to ask Jesus to bring life to those situations. And so if you can write legibly, so maybe we can read them, that would be great. Um, But yeah, just take a few minutes to write down what you specifically want to see Jesus bring resurrection or new life to. What we're going to do is um, Austin and uh, Kristen are going to come and sing one more song. And as we sing that song, I want you to bring your card and just lay it up here anywhere. You can lay it face down if you're worried about somebody looking at it. And then we'll just gather all those cards up afterwards and have people pray over those this week. But as we come to take communion together, um, let's celebrate the fact that Jesus is risen and that he's alive and all that means to our lives. And so we're going to stand and read a scripture together before we sing this song. And remember, as we're singing the song, you can bring your cards and lay them up here. And then Austin, after the song, will you pray for us? And then we'll take communion, and then we'll be dismissed. If you haven't taken communion with us before, what we do is we have a basket of bread, and we have a cup of um, grape juice, and you just dip your bread into the grape juice, and that's how we, we do it here. Okay? Thanks for being here this morning. Okay, so we're going to stand and read this together. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. Thanks for joining us for our sermon podcast. We would love for you to join us on Sunday morning or in one of our small groups during the week. And you can get more information about that at DentonNorthChurch.com.